For the 905 to wherever you are, this is Schwa Wars. Hello everyone, my name's Adam Hayes, and welcome to a very special two-part review episode of Schwa Wars this week. Not only are we going to be discussing AEW Revolution that just took place over on Sunday night, uh, which of course, you know, if you're listening to this now, which of course is Thursday morning, uh, you already know Dynamite's already happened, so again, we have no idea what's happened, you know, as of this, because we're recording this on Tuesday. And of course, the second re review we're going to be doing today is taking a look back at the Justice League 2017 movie, kind of going back, seeing if it still holds up, if it's really as bad as everybody says it was. And then, of course, we're doing that in preparation for the Zack Snyder director's cut that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, which, when, of course, we will be doing a special review on that. So I can't look, you know, I'm obviously looking forward to that. Uh, joining me for this part of the episode on, uh, for this, you know, AEW. Revolution review uh, is none other than uh, one of my favorite co-hosts of all time. Well, mostly because he always joins me for pretty much everything, and I love him for it. <laughs> I'm pretty much, of course, out of all the horsemen, uh, the most loyal of all, uh, the incomparable Jordan Lloyd. Jordan, how's it going, man? Uh, what's up? It's going pretty good. That's good. And of course, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, I can tell. And um, of course, joining me as well um, as a reoccurring guest here uh, over at Schwa Wars from SunsetCrypt.com's Jeff T. Smith. Jeff, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm great. Thank you very much. It wouldn't be talking AEW if I wasn't involved, I guess, especially with some of the matches on here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm I've got Dark on, I'm surrounded in AEW figures, let's do this. Absolutely. So, of course, clearly, just naturally, you were disappointed by this pay-per-view from top to bottom, So, but we'll get into that, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, let's, <laughs> let's not waste any time, though. Let's kind of jump right into things. Uh, first of all, before we jump into the actual matches of the pay-per-view, um, what was the one thing you were most looking forward to as a fan going into this? And don't say, you know, like a certain wrestler that you're like just a fan of in general and seeing their matches. Like, what was the one match, like, what's the drawing power match, in your opinion? Because, quite honestly, there this card was very top-heavy with, like, a lot of really good matches that, you know, could drive somebody to go see. Uh, Jordan, we'll start with you. I mean, honestly, it was the it was the barbed wire match, it was the main event. To see how like a North American promotion could actually pull that off, which is being done so well in Japan. I mean, that was what intrigued me the most to see how they would actually make that work. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff, what about yourself? Uh, the exploding barbed wire death match. I mean, you go back to IWA or FMW DVDs and Cactus Jack. I mean, that that's stuff that we only saw on there. So, and that was many years ago now for me. So to see this was, you know, going to be awesome. And of course, like even with those things, sometimes they, you know, they pull off extraordinarily well. Sometimes they have a few glitches. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was curious to that. But um, without favoritism, because I know you'd be pissed with me, Adam, if I just jumped to certain people. Uh, I'm going to say the Derby match. The Derby match was definitely a uh, drawing card and a good build-up uh, as far as uh, fan appeal. See, I was uh, I, I agree with you. I was very intrigued to see how they were going to do the Derby and Sting versus Team Taz. Like, I knew it was going to be cinematic, but, like, how cinematic was going to be another issue. Uh, we'll get into that, obviously, a little bit later. Um, just because I knew Darby was going to be like, okay, Darby's going to put himself through absolute hell for this. 
Um, I disagree when it comes to the actual booking of the match, like going in. And again, we'll get a little bit farther into that when we get to there. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. Uh, let's just quickly go over the pre-show match. If you guys saw it, it was Dr. Brick Baker, DMD, and Maki Ito uh, defeating Riho and uh, Thunder Rosa in a what I thought was an extremely long tag team match that felt like it should have been like cut in half, at least for time-wise. But at least that's just myself. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. What did you think? Unfortunately, I did not get to see this. The, oh. When you ordered the pay-per-view on Kojiko, the pre-show doesn't come through. Ah. Wait till 8 o'clock. Okay, well then skip. <laughs> Jordan, uh, what about you? <laughs> I mean, it did feel long, like I agree with that, which is crazy because I think it only went like 15 minutes. Yeah, 14 minutes, 50 seconds was the official time. But it definitely did feel like it was much longer than that. Um, I mean, it is what it is. It just seemed like it was very by the numbers, entertaining in parts. I was shocked by the win, I will say. I was not expecting Britt Baker and Maki Ito to get the win, especially with the the fanfare of Rio and, you know, obviously the popularity of Thunder Rosa. So, um, yeah. But, of course, they're setting up something with that. And, of course, if you're watching their Young Bucks, you know, show, whatever the hell it's called, Being the Elite, uh, you'll see that Maki Ito might be the newest member of the uh, inner circle. Or, or inner circle. Wow. Too many factions. Um, um, the Dark Order is what I meant to say. So I actually kind of am looking forward to that because of her psycho personality would fit in very well she with is them. Cool. She she she, is she has she has a charisma about her. She has got the worst headbutt in the history of professional wrestling. Um, but be that as it may, she's very entertaining. She's very entertaining. Like you do want to see more of her. It's just like I think that's a perfect place for her is within the Dark Order right now, just based on what they're doing. So. I'm very okay with that. It reminds me of something between Lin Zayu and Tekken 3 and that uh, character that you play in Lollipop Chainsaw. Okay. That's a good reference. Let's jump right into the main card here. It was the opening match was a tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team titles. It was the Young Bucks defending their championship against Chris Jericho and MJF with Wardlow of the Inner Circle. Uh, obviously, the match goes 17 minutes, 50 seconds. Every move in professional wrestling was used in this matchup, and ultimately the Young Bucks do win, beating the Inner Circle, retaining their tag team championships. Um, Jeff will just jump right in ahead with you with this one. So, uh, yeah, Matt Jackson did great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. In case you didn't hear me, I actually both, both Jackson's Nick always comes in with a hot take, but here, here's something about this one is it, it was exciting to see it going in because you knew it wasn't going to be like their matches with say the Lucha brothers because Jericho is going to wrestle a different style than them so they're not going to go like total balls to the wall crazy uh, I think that's why we got the table spot on Dynamite but I found the pace really grew but Jericho he, he really worked it that uh, I, I was just impressed because he's either going to, to give you know as much as he can or he's going to take it easy a bit have you noticed that in certain matches I, I do with Matt Jackson you like, mean no, 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 uh, Jericho. Jericho. Jericho now with his stage, he he seems to kind of offset his matches. He'll he'll. I think he's personally. I mean? Yeah, I I personally think he's kind of working around the style of his opponent a lot more, based on I don't know if it's I don't know if it's based on his ability or just based on 
whatever, which I actually kind of think is a detriment. I think that Jericho needs to be more of that ring general and have a slower pace kind of matchup with a lot of these guys just to kind of, you know, ground the matchup so that way we don't have a match where I see 1,900 moves used in one match and it looks like a Tekken combo with, like, every combination. Um, like, I just, exactly. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like Jericho, when he first came into the company, he was very much like that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have my kind of match. Everyone's going to work around me. I'm oh, going to yeah, elevate people. Like but, like, now I feel like, especially after seeing the Orange Cassidy feud and now this, it's, like, very he's trying to keep up to them instead of them trying to go to that, like, instead of the younger guys trying to work to him. You know what I mean? So He works with them, but he's, he still does something where you think, you know, some of the guys his age or his status, they, they wouldn't still do, like, those few moves or spots, but Jericho pulls it out. The main one that came to my mind, which caught my dad, is he goes for the lion's salt and they hit him with a super kick. That was, yeah, and that was impressive. Salt. I mean, that was awesome for Jericho. I mean, he, he doesn't have to do any of this stuff, and he could still get the match over, but he does it because, as you said, it's for the opponents. It's a match, that, it's a move, and it's a spot that works for who he's working with. Mm-hmm. So I was ultimately really happy because I didn't know what kind of pace I was going to get out of the match. And I believe Jericho ate the pin in that one as well, so... Of, yeah, cor- yeah. of course, leading up to Wednesday night, which, of course, we don't know what's happened. By the time you listen to this, obviously, you already do um, with their little, uh, you know, war talk or whatever that they're going to be having of deciding inner the, inner, the inner I circle council. It's like every single week in some sort of meeting. It's like every single week in some sort of meeting or council or war room where they're taking fielding questions or whatever. It's like every single week they have like some sort of schmoz. I mean, I think they're going to MJF now to, uh, like, he's maybe even going to try to overthrow or start to do something with Jericho. Yep. Because now that Jericho... I looked at you right when that, right when they announced that, and I said, he's taking Jericho out of the inner circle. It's clear as day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now the interesting part is that I'm kind of surprised, and maybe it's because of the other appearances and stuff that happened later in the show, that, you know, you didn't want to have too much of too many people you know appearing or not uh i I really thought i was gonna get to see sammy in this thing shucks (laughs) yeah really so now it's like if they were either building sammy and jericho or sammy and an mjf for double or nothing it could go either way Uh, either i just i'm curious to know now what way it's gonna go because sammy's going to be involved I agree. I open. Yeah, I agree. I think they should hold off personally on the whole pulling the trigger with MJF and Jericho right now. Like, you know what's going to come. Just let it burn a little bit longer. Get Sammy in there now. Get the feud with him versus the inner circle first. And then afterwards, maybe even, like, have Jericho and Sammy have some, you know, couple-one feud, big matchup or whatever, where it ends with, like, Sammy beating Jericho in, like, some big, you know, hoopla match because, you know, Tony Khan will pull some random stipulation out of his ass for that one. And then, you know, ultimately Jericho does the respecting, like, you know, you did good kid, whatever, and MJ's like, you know, fuck this guy, you know, we, we kick this guy out, don't give him respect. And then it leads to then MJ, I feel like, yo, he's giving respect to Sammy after, you know, he shit on us or whatever. And then that would be the ultimate leading into the, the breakup of the inner circle. So I think it's too soon. Uh, Jordan, before we kind of jump ahead here, what did you ultimately think of the match, though? Well, I mean, it's 
great opener. The Bucks, you know what you're getting with the Bucks when you have a tag match. That's fair. However, however, I've come to feel if they just showed a little more restraint, I feel like their matches would mean so much more. Like you said, if you, they slowed it down, they didn't do every move under the sun, they made certain moves actually mean more. Like a flip pile driver used to be, like, has been a finish in the past. I'm pretty sure they hit at least one and they just kicked out like it was nothing. Did they hit, what was that one they called the Meltzer? Is that the Meltzer driver? The Meltzer driver is the did. flipping pile driver or the flipping tombstone. It wasn't that one. I think some, I think one of them, from what I remember, I think one of them just hit a normal flip pile driver. This is a normal move. Oh, you mean like a Canadian destroyer? Yeah. Okay. Like stuff like that. Like if they just showed a little more restraint, I think like their matches would like mean so much more. Because like you can do everything under the sun and it looks great and it looks flashy, but at the end, like what does it really all mean? I get that. Uh, Jeff, do you have a response with that or? No, the, uh, I mean, the Bucks, they didn't do, we've seen them do a lot more than what they did in this match. That's true. One of their, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to say it, it was almost a slower match. Because they, they built it, they started it out, you know, so-so, and then they, they built it up, but they weren't crazy the whole match. And even their matches, say the best tag match one of the best tag matches ever, I'd say, is last year's Revolution with Bucks versus Hangman and Omega. That thing was just a, a roller coaster ride. See, I, I still I still disagree on you with that one. I still think that match is kind of overrated, in my opinion. I did not need to win as many awards as it did. I think it that's a match, in my opinion, where everyone just went balls to the wall and went way too long, and every move under the sun and every finish in wrestling was killed in that one match, and like it, it was just difficult for me. It was a it was a slower pace for a young bucks match, but I mean just in general, like since I feel like if they just again if they just pulled the reins back a little bit, some of their matches would like mean so much more. I would have more. I'll, I'll, I'll take the blinders off uh, Matt Jackson for a second here. Uh, yeah, I, I won't disagree with you. I think a change of pace, much like we're giving Jericho credit for, would uh, be good for both bucks. Uh, I don't know if we'll get that in a match I'm looking forward to, Matt versus Phoenix this Wednesday. That's, yep. That could be really interesting how they pull that mm-hmm. as yeah. far as paint. I don't see there being a dull moment, though. <laughs> they should just they should put a stipulation right off the top of bed. You can only go to the top rope once, or you can only do one aerial <laughs> maneuver once. Everything else, it's got to be like Frank Gotch style, like Greco-Roman wrestling. Just <laughs> oh, There you go. Um, let's move on to the next matchup. It was the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale for a future AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Um, a lot of tag teams in this one. It went a long time. This one, 26 minutes, 45 seconds, ultimately ending with the final two participants being Jungle Boy of Jurassic Express and Ray Phoenix, ultimately winning uh, for his team Death Triangle. So, Jordan, what did you think of the match overall? I mean, I even said before we started, I was like, God damn, this went... 26 minutes it didn't, honestly didn't feel like it went 26 minutes which I guess is good because like it it didn't feel long I mean I mean it is what it is the tag team Royal Rumble essentially that's what it was mm-hmm. just slightly different rules 
Um, I was ha- I was happy to see Bear Country in there. I like them. Big fan. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like their stuff with like the big guys, like when they got the spot with Luchasaurus and all that. Yeah, that was nice. I like that yeah. too. I mean, it did and then what was that line they said that the bears took out the dinosaur, but then someone else took out the bear? Like there was a line in commentary which was fantastic. Oh, that. yeah, I, I I know it, but I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't want to butcher yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it had some good. It had some nice spots in it peppered throughout. It's interesting too that the team that won it's Ray Phoenix and somebody that's not really his tag team partner. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic of how that goes forward. I see what you're saying. The fact that like you know you're used to the Lucha Brothers being like a unit a team. Team you would almost expect Pack to be on his own to like go for the the TV title or something like that. Yeah, he would have been the... in the ladder match exactly. But uh, ultimately, like I, mean, I said, it's interesting to see how that's good. It's interesting to see how that dynamic is going to play out. Yeah, ultimately, Phoenix though does get the uh, win. I was a little bit surprised myself with Phoenix getting the the victory over Jungle Boy. Myself, uh, what about you, Jeff? <laughs> you were surprised. <laughs> I was losing my mind. Obviously, uh, being perhaps the number one Jungle Boy supporter in Ontario, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, this match really, you know, took interest for me when he was announced a few days prior to the pay-per-view. And uh, the performance was stellar. I mean, they're still building him like a star. If you look at all his past matches, even when he's losing, he, he's not losing. Like, there's no loser in the match, you know, the way he's taking the pin or the, the loss. And even in this one, it was boom, boom, boom. He was strong. Phoenix gets one, like, off-the-cuff thing, eliminates him by chance. So it still kept Jungle Boy strong, and I like that. I'm going to say it. I didn't mind that Ray Phoenix went over, just because by that point, you're thinking Jungle Boy is going over in this. He's getting the push, but, oh, no, not quite. It's going to be Ray Phoenix, and it just gives that little bit of a, of a flip. Now, you don't. Now I will say this uh, when it comes to this match, and it's something that's very noticeable, especially after seeing what happened last week on Dynamite. Um, all these great tag teams that were in there, a lot of great, you know, possibilities of who could win this thing. No FTR. So, especially after doing the angle last week with Jurassic, uh, you know, Express and whatnot, and just everything that took place, you know, with Tully and whatnot, you would think that FTR should be in a match like this. Maybe they can get back up into the ranks to go for the tag team titles since, you know, the F. AEW did such a great job building that first feud between uh, the Bucks and FTR, so it'd be nice to get them back in the title hunt, but be that as it may, I guess we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer for that. Who knows? It might be Horseman 2.0 soon. Um, that, that's what I'm hearing, too. I like, though, that, uh, of course, for me, I love when anybody, you know, mixes it up, and I very much like seeing Isaiah Cassidy and Jungle Boy mix it up a bit in there, because mm-hmm. I love Private Party and even with the Matt Hardy stuff, I still like Private Party and happy got to do some stuff in that match before getting eliminated. Yeah. Next matchup on the card is for the AEW Women's World Championship. It was Hikaru Shida defending her championship against Ryo Mitsunami. Um, honestly, I did not like Ryo Mitsunami whatsoever. I will be completely honest. I was hoping out of all the people on that bracket side for... Uh, the Japan side, besides Maki Ito, because I didn't want to see her in that championship match either. Um, I did not want her to win. I don't know what it is. She just has, like, go-away heat with me. 
Like, I think, like, the pulling of the invisible rope and all this other, like, her doing the kibashi, her shitty attempts at the kibashi chops, like, like, my wife was watching at the same time, and she was, like, rolling her eyes thinking, like, that was complete horseshit. <laughs> like, it's one thing when, like, kibashi is, like, six foot four with, like, these mega hands, like, dropping these chops down. You see the sweat bursting off the chest when he's doing this. And it's another when it looks like someone's just playing patty cake against your, you know, your, uh, that- your collarbone. It's just, I don't know, was man. Was that her who said that, or was that me? <laughs> I, I I don't know. It might have been me. Um, ultimately, though, like I said, Hikaru... Well, I guess you're like his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Hikaru Shida ultimately, though, does get the victory over Ryo Nitsunami. Um, again, that was just my general opinion. I didn't really care. I was just hoping that Hikaru Shida would wind up winning. She did. I was happy. I moved on. Jeff, what about you? Uh, yeah, I was very happy to see Sheeta retain. Uh, I didn't want to see it go to uh, Rio, but that said, I didn't mind her. I mean, the, the, the Japanese women, especially her style, they crack me up because they're so, like, regimented in their character display. It's almost kind of like carny act at, at certain times. Right. But I can do it, yeah. It's like they believe it so much, so, like, we just kind of go with it, even if it like, as you said, or even as my dad said, like, oh, well, this is some horse shit right there. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not what you're doing. But it, it's working because that's, like, the culture dynamic that they're bringing in and the performance that they're used to is some of this over the top. And the, the Japanese fans are eating up some of these uh, gimmicky stuff. Okay, but that's, that's the Japanese. I'll, I'll pause you on that one, though. That's the Japanese audience. I get that some American audiences can work with that, and a lot more audiences are, quote, smart nowadays. Look at us, for example. But, like, there's got to be a thin line eventually, like, between some of this shit. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, I would not expect Santino Morella to be challenging for hit the world title doing his stupid shit. Because I wouldn't expect Santino Morella to be in that opportunity to get that title. But hold on. He has done that before. And he shouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know. But I, at the same time, mankind did Mr. Sacco in championship matches. Didn't hey man, not? hey man, that that that's, that's a devastating hold. That that's a devastating. Well, hold. I know Britt Baker uses it exactly. Look how well that works too. I'm not disparaging, yeah, by the way. It works. Time, give it at the same time, Adam. How is that any different though? What a mandible claw, where it's like an actual like pressure point hole where it actually suffocates the opponent at the same time well that's a weapon we all we all know in pro wrestling that's a weapon and that's been going un- under under thought of for many decades now at this point you do know it became less about the hole and more just about the sock of course it was it was all about like the actual like the pop of him pulling out the sock out of his tights i realized but he put out they can work if they're if they're done well. Okay, sure, but the the move was put over beforehand using the mandible claw as a devastating maneuver years prior, and even beat the Undertaker by submission, which never happened at that point. So, like, the move has credibility. He just added flair after the fact. If you do flair with it at the very beginning, I'm not going to take it seriously. It's like Maki Ito with that stupid boo boo headbutt of hers. Like it's stupid. <laughs> I mean that's fair. I can I, I I understand that. I don't know. But anyways, it's what very was hard hitting match? It's very hard hitting match though. But I mean, you'd expect that from Japanese talent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she no... just reminds me. I mean, her and that other one. What what was the Eva the cab? I call her the cabaret uh, 
singer. On the one we did with George McKay, she had that top, the hat, and the uh, wand. The top hat. Oh, what was her name? The one that dropped. You know, she's like in the one-piece suit. She'll do the bow. She almost reminds me of like a a Zatanna um, singer. Oh. she, She comes um, you mean the one that, like, dresses up as, like, Frank, uh, Freddie Mercury? Yeah, her. Yeah, that is Emmy Sakura. That's it. Yeah. I had, to, I had to go back in my notes for that well, one real let me quick. Just to put it politely, these, these bigger-boned Japanese women, uh, have, have some, uh, dynamic and, and curves to them. Hmm. Uh, next matchup on the card was a tag match, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna stress right now. This is weird booking, in my opinion, all right? The fact that you open the card with a World Tag Team title match, followed by a Battle Royal Tag Team title match, and then later in the card we have a singles regular tag team match. That's <laughs> like no championships or whatever. It, to me, it was just kind of weirdly placed, but of course... There's there... a crazy interesting booking order on this show, I'll agree with Yeah, you. it was a little perplexing a little bit for my liking, but that that's just for myself. Um, it was Miro and Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford taking on the best friends of Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Obviously no Trent's because he is MIA due to injury. Um, the feud for this match has been somewhat questionable and interesting and whatnot, but ultimately I think that we got the correct result where Miro and Kip Sabian ultimately defeat the best friends and Miro actually looking like a beast, which is what he should have done since day one. Yeah, he came out of that looking super strong. Yeah. And I was so happy. I, I really thought for sure. I'm like, oh, another loss for Kip Sabian here on, in a bigger show. But no, they got the win. And I was surprised because I, I thought they'd they just cap it off with Orange Cassidy and Chuck. And then we just move on to things. But that didn't happen. So this is good because now they've got Marrow and Kip. And hopefully they can continue on to who knows where. No, nope, I agree. But at least they're just not like shuffled down. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think it's really important at this point that like Miro is presented as more than just like a WWE ex talent who is just a comedy act at this point because it, that's kind of what like he's being left. portrayed as right now is like as Kip's like I, didn't really, I don't even really care for Miro unless they're gonna do something no but like yeah. and, and then you see him like do like his devastating stuff like when he's really going out there like hitting the high kicks and like the stall I really like the stall into the camel clutch this time where it's like he's making you think about it but right before he wrenches you right back like I'm like ooh yeah, I yeah. like that that looks nice I'm like instead of just going right for it so I, I don't know like there's a lot of potential with Miro it's just they need to they need to do some major repair work on him over the next several months. Uh, I feel like I should be saying that a le- about a lot of their big men at this point. Um, Which is a shame because he, he could have been really hot coming out of the WWE going there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that actually segues into just one quick point I'm going to get your guys' opinion on. Sure. Um, as far as, and if you think about uh, Matt Hardy coming in and Miro, all these guys came in now during the pandemic when they were still very restricted to you know little to very few audience members. This would be the first show, I think, where we've had the biggest audience since uh, pre-pandemic. Did you find that it affected the performance matches and results? I think they were doing a little bit more because when you have that live audience, you're going to feed to your live audience a little bit more. I think it's just a very important component of any wrestling show because you need that audience there. So even talking about Miro's stall into the thing, 
that is to me much more of a gearing to the audience. You're, you're bringing them into the hold with you. Um, do you think that you saw a noticeable difference in performance on this show with that live crowd? Because that was a pretty big crowd there. I'll, I'll start before Jordan does. I'll jump in on this one. I personally think that AEW in general, when it comes to their big shows compared to Dynamite, like Dynamite, they still give it their all and whatnot. But obviously on bigger shows, you really, you know, you go to that next level. Um, AEW talent, regardless of how I feel about like the Tekken moves and everything else, like it's, they're very good at knowing like, this is a big show. We go a little bit harder. We go a little bit faster. We go a little bit whatever and make things a little bit bigger. Um, and they do that every single time. And I thought they did that post like pre pandemic and like during this, uh, this, uh, pay-per-view as well. So did it probably help? I think it helps regardless for, um, of talent that are like hearing the crowd for the first time. Like, Oh yeah, this is what it feels like. This is getting my mojo up and it makes them want to go maybe even extra on top of that. But I find AEW is one of those companies where you don't really necessarily have that problem of, you know, pre or post when it comes to their intent for how much they're going to put into their performance. We'll call it, um, you know, going into a big show yeah. like this. They always go. They never. They never phoned it in. No, they never do. They never phoned it in. No. No, absolutely Uh, not. So I just noticed. I think for the general effect of the show, and maybe this wasn't such a good thing at the end of the show, but for the overall ambulance, uh, it it was definitely like a return to form, in my opinion. No, I mean, I think it definitely helps having a live audience because that's one of my. That's one of the things I haven't liked with how the WWE has dealt with the pandemic. By having piped in crowd noise. Like, to me, that doesn't really help anybody. Hey, hey, how am I supposed to know this match is awesome if I don't hear the crowd saying it through the loudspeakers? Come on now. <laughs> no, like, it's ridiculous. Like, piped in crowd noise. Watching WWE, as very little as I did when I would with the Thunderdome, I made believe that if you watch it on the Thunderdome, they, like, give you the prompters of what you're supposed to be cheering at home with your mics on. And then they fed that audio in. I know it was bullshit, but, but it just helped me believe that, hey, maybe that Thunderdome audience is participating <laughs> in what I'm hearing. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, next matchup on the card was the big money match. Winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings uh, between Hangman Adam Page taking on big money, Matt Hardy. Uh, Jordan, what were your thoughts on this match? I mean, first of all, this is actually a really great idea for a gimmick match. I agree. Like we uh, we were talking about that while it was actually going on. Like that's a, it's it's so simple. It's not overly complicated. One guy wins, you get a quarter of his money for the year. It's very territories like almost in the sense of like you know it's real stakes. Yeah. It's like you put money on the line. Anybody can relate to that. They're like, oh shit, money's on the line. You know, so really that's what it all comes down to. It's all about money. I, uh, I like that. It's got that old school. Uh, yeah, definitely old school aesthetic. You think like that. Uh, Mania match, what with Big John Studd, I believe, about the slam and you got the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there was just something at stake, very simple, but it works. Or, or you know, D.B. Ostey would pay this amount if he lost. It just, it just was, as you said, very, very simple, but an effective gimmick for the match just to add a bit of story. I agree. I, I was hoping for a little bit more throughout the match myself, but ultimately Hangman and Adam Page wins it, though, against Matt Hardy. Um, well, I mean, that's one thing I'll say, too, is, like, Matt Hardy, I mean, he's a great heel. Matt Hardy's an awesome heel. But he definitely does move like he's, like, his age now. At least that's what I saw. 
But he definitely does move much more like he's reaching his higher 40s. Well, would you prefer him to fall off the back of that scaffold thing like he did with Sammy and uh, smack the back of his head off the concrete? No, that's ridiculous. But, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, too, like it's a credit to him that obviously with him getting older that he can work ways around that to still put on entertaining matches. That's fair. Jeff, what about you? Yeah, no, I agree. Matt Hardy, I've always been a fan of, I mean, you know, I'd say if, if 2001 was Matt Hardy, that's my original Matt Jackson in a way. Well, I probably even like Matt Jackson more, but the fact that he continues to reinvent himself, but, you know, I don't think he's had a dull performance, do you? I mean, the Sammy match aside, because that was injury, I think he still performs at a level that, that gets by and works for whatever character he's yeah. presenting at the time. No, I I, this, I, I can agree with that. The money, the, the money one is, is great because that's all he's been doing, even on Sammy's vlogs and BTE, is he's always he's collected money from the Bucks. He's collected money from Sammy. He's always on this collecting money, collecting money, scamming everybody. So this is like a payoff to that that's crossed over between all these roster segments, mm-hmm. you know, on the program. And the Dark Order got involved in this, too. Like, they're very active on the show. Yeah, they were. I mean, you know, well, the, then, there's nothing like the, there's nothing like the bad guys yeah. having two, there's nothing like the bad guy having two backy, backup lackeys, and then the good guy having 17. So. <laughs> it was funny, the thing, what was it? Somebody said, like, oh, the Dark Order's coming out here to even up the odds. I was like, this is not even at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but ultimately, yeah, I'm very excited to see like what happens now with Adam Page and this newfound wealth and Matt Hardy, you know, being a slump and like everything he makes from now on is going to be going to him. So maybe he'll take, he'll take up the drinking gimmick or whatever. So who knows? We'll see what happens. Well, first quarter, first quarter earnings, that would only mean the end of this month. Hey man, that that money is money at this point. Come on now. Yeah, and he's collected a lot throughout January and February. Yeah. One final thing I will say before we kind of move on to the next match. Uh, the Buckshot Lariat, probably one of the top two finishing moves in all of AEW. When it comes to effectiveness, looks good every time, and, like, you believe it as, like, a finish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. All right, next matchup in the card was the face of the Revolution ladder match of the future AEW TNT Championship uh, matchup. Uh, it was ultimately between Cody Rhodes, obviously followed by Double A Arn Anderson, Penta El Zero Mando, and probably saying that incorrectly, I'm just going to call him Pentagon Junior because it's easier for me. Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts, Max Caster, Scorpio Sky, and uh, the surprise appearance of All Ego Ethan Page, who of course a lot of us know here in Ontario have worked with, and yada yada yada. Um, so, and ultimately it was Scorpio Sky that gets the nod and uh, wins this ladder match. So. I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm also one of those people that thinks that if you're doing a ladder match and you have a surprise entrant, he better win. It doesn't make sense to me that so it doesn't make sense to me that you have like a mystery opponent and then they come in and lose. It makes them look bad. So, I don't know. I realize they can be hidden in a ladder match, anything's possible, blah blah blah, but like yeah. that's just it's like Brian Cage when he won like the the big ladder match, I think it was last year or whatever it was, like, he came in as the special surprise entrance. But at the same time, though, do you want to start setting a precedent that that always has to happen? Then stop doing surprise entrance for a ladder match. How about that? Maybe introduce him the week prior or something like that, or say, like, he's coming and then put him in. 
Well, then there's no anticipation build. You should, you, you can still do that, but don't don't keep the giveaway. It's like, oh, they're good. They're going to win. But is it? They're the surprise. Enemy. But is it really don't a surpri- let them be the surprise? That maybe they'll win. Maybe they won't. This and this might get me a little bit of heat. That's fair if it does. Um, but is Ethan Page really a surprise? All emotions uh, aside, when it comes to Ontario Independent Wrestling and everything else, and what he's done for you know a a one and all that stuff for the audience that is AEW and the national audience who have only seen him on Impact and whatever, is he really the name that would have re- like been? How am I trying to say this? Is he really like this, a special name enough for, for them to warrant a mystery opponent to be entered in this matchup? I think for the audience that all AEW attracts, I think so. Yeah. Because they the attract... The problem is, is that restricting to just that audience rather than trying to get your new audience, maybe not so much for a pay-per-view, but for television. And Vince Russo was discussing this this week about... You know, they already have a pretty full roster, and you bring in somebody else that if you're you're not going to appeal to your general audience, you know, Joe there in Alabama is going to turn on the TV, watch the wrestling. Who gives a shit who Ethan Page is because he's not going to know who he is or what his That's history is. That is true. And I think my problem, too, and, I, and I'm not discrediting the talent of Ethan Page either because I know he can work, I know he can talk, and I know all this firsthand. He can and, work? Yeah. He can he can do all that stuff, but my but my problem that I notice with you know now with AEW more and more now is the fact that I'm getting a lot more heels that have the same style of gimmick or same mental yeah. attitude that a lot of them were having. Like you had Sammy Guevara who was like a snobby you know punk. You had Kip Sabian a snobby punk. You got pretty much the entire team of. Um, Oh, the, the tag team that has Max Caster in it. Snobby, arrogant, young kids. Like, you have... And now you have Ethan Page, who does the all-ego gimmick, which is, like, over-the-top, brass, I'm better than you kind of thing. MJF is another MJF. one. Like, but he, he did kind of come in with a with a, a, a kind of a face presentation, right? He wasn't really healing it up out there. Which is what, fair. Did I, did I miss that? I, maybe, but I, I'm just... I'm I always associate Page as, like, a heel... Which is good because like he makes a great heel over a babyface in my opinion. Um, so maybe naturally I just assume like he's coming in as a heel, but that could be you know, bad on me. So uh, I uh, where was I going? I had two thoughts. I just kept marking out for when Jake the Snake took him up. <laughs> <laughs> gotta well, love that. Yeah, oh, and then he got super kicked to hell and almost like had sixteen <laughs> referees on the outside checking him to make sure he was okay. Penta's going off the top of the ladder head first, going through, like, the ring. No problem. Jake Roberts takes the super kick. Shut the show down, man. This thing's over. <laughs> I mean, we were talking we were talking about this while we were watching it. Like, it, did, it was a little distracting when Cody got taken out. Mm. And they were taking him to the back, and they kept showing the wide shot where you could see the two entrance ways, and you could clearly see yeah. that they hadn't left yet. And Cody's like going in. Yeah, Cody's going in and out of the tunnel. You can see Arn Anderson's white sleeve of his shirt just distracting and all this stuff. You're just waiting for Cody to make yeah, that run and save again. You're like, all right, well, if you're going to go to the back, go to the back. Get out of the way of the shot, you know? After the first time they showed that on camera that somebody wasn't like, okay, get them out of the shot. Yeah. Tell them to move. Well, I feel there was a, a few misdirection and, and camera cuts there on the, the 
show for sure. Yeah. But ultimately, though, Scorpio Sky wins it. I'm He's a great talent. I personally enjoy his work. It was a surprise for me to see him win. Um, the question is, I'll throw it out to you guys. A, do you think he deserves to have that win? And then B, um, do you think ultimately he'll be a guy that takes the title from Darby? Or do you think this was just a, a match just to kind of build up a, a challenger at this point? He's been in limbo so much, and, and how much more is Scorpio Sky really going to do? Because, unfortunately, I think, you know, he was going to be be a, a bigger part of AEW, I think, at the start. And we saw that. And he has history with, obviously, the Elite and, and the Bucks. And then he, he really got lost in the shuffle to the point of what's the point. I think mm. we even talked about this, Adam, in the roster episode. Which so, you can go back in the archives, by the way, and find. So, just saying. Yeah. Yes. Which, they're, you know, if they're going to do anything, now's the time to do something with them and this might be it i don't know i don't know if scorpius guy is going to be doing much on the long term now or if this is and, and do i still think he's going to win no not after that other match i don't think it's going to go to scorpius guy okay um so we got distracted. kip Fabian's coming out on dark now <laughs> so, all right so we might lose you for the next few minutes that's fine jordan what was your ultimate opinion and what the answer to my question I mean, I think he deserved. I think he deserved the win. Like he, again, like you said, he is a talented guy. He does good work. Do I think he's going to beat Darby Allen? No. Also, too, we we didn't we didn't mention the fact or talk about the fact of what they were actually trying to pull down in the ladder match. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's true. The uh, the brass ring or the fabled brass ring. <laughs> yeah, the fabled brass. I ring. love it. I was saying like, that I wanted to pull over. I wanted to pull out my Sega Genesis right then and there. <laughs> Play some See, I was yeah, saying to I was saying to Jordan, you know, while we were watching this thing, I'm like, you know, if this was CZW, they would have had like a piece of glass over top, like underneath the <laughs> underneath the ring, and part of the thing is you have to smash through the glass to get to the brass ring. You got to break the glass ceiling, uh, so oh, to speak. That's cool. Yeah, like that was an idea I had, but of course, you know, you know, they should have called me I, first. I really... <laughs> Where do you do? I really love that idea. I want to see it now. There you go. <laughs> um, of course, the next matchup uh, we had was or the co-main event. It was the street fight uh, turned cinematic matchup between Darby Allen and Sting taking on Team Taz, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks. I was... I'll start this. Yeah, you go ahead. So I'll start and preface this. I hate cinematic matches for the most part because of the way they're done. I don't like really... I don't like heavily overproduced, like make it look like a movie type matches. Like when you have music playing over a match, it takes me out of it. And they had that in this too. But what one what what made this one win me over was they didn't do like so many overly ridiculous things that they do in a lot of cinematic matches. This still, for the most part, was just a straight up good old fashioned brawl. Yeah, I wasn't on the Hardy compound here. No. There was, there, no. There was no, you know, elevation or, like, you know, transporting from one side of the ring to another. There was no duplicates of, an, you know, of your opponent or anything like that. Well, aside from the six, aside from the 1,600 yeah, stings that got their ass kicked at the beginning, so. Yeah, and they all just scuttled off and ran away. That was pretty funny. Yeah. But no, it, it was... It was just down and dirty, a good old-fashioned fight, which is what it should I loved be. it. I did, too. 
This is probably why I love it. And it wasn't, there wasn't so many like camera cut, camera cut, camera cut music video style. There was a, a fucking match. Like they were in the ring. Ooh. They were doing sequences full out like Sting and Ricky Starks were having a match. It's just like you had multiple angle setups. Yeah. They were, and they were doing the match. And that's what I like. And that's what I've come to hate about cinematic matches is when they do cut it to pieces. And it looks so overproduced. See, I told you, yeah, he, he exactly. get more fired up when he's talking Even about things. <laughs> Sorry, well, I missed that, Adam. What oh, I was say? saying, I'm like, you can really tell Jordan's fired up. I can tell on my, my mic levels here uh, when he's quiet and he's talking normal. And then when he gets fired <laughs> yeah, up, it like, jumps like, up. <laughs> like, with, with how goofy they, other places have done them in the past, like, I literally have grown to disdain cinematic matches. But this one didn't do well, that. If you, if, you, one... if you want to see a painful cinematic match, uh, YouTube <laughs> showdown at sunset on the Diamond Tiger Entertainment Channel. All right then, there's a little plug right there for you. Look that up. Uh, no, yeah. but this one was like more, this one was more like the Boneyard match, and what made the Boneyard match work so well? I would say that this match is possibly, and I, Adam, I think it was you that I said this to on Sunday. Uh, the best cinematic match I've ever seen, or at least one of the two. What? It wasn't the Firefly Funhouse match. Come on now. Oh, we we didn't have Darby Allen dressed in NWO gear, and we didn't have uh, Sting just pop out of nowhere looking like the Surfer Sting. That would have been that would have popped huge. You know, their face. Yeah, that was different. <laughs> but you know what? The tone. I mean, even that that match was so spot on with its like a color correction but tones they never varied the, the lighting the hues i feel like i'm doing a blu-ray review right now i just <laughs> <laughs> everything consistent you know what yeah, i mean um couple spots and, before we uh, oh sorry go ahead yeah no 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 you're, you're just gonna say a couple spots and maybe i'm just jumping uh, your next segment can we all just pop huge and adam i know you will for that pane of glass spot oh the schoolyard throw through the pane of glass that was fantastic yeah i, I was thinking to myself yeah, i'm like I oh that's I thought to myself, I'm like, they're just going to powerbomb him into it. And then they saw the swing app, and I'm like, no. And then the glass just falls on the back of his head. And I'm just like, that's it, he did. <laughs> like, I wanted to try and pull out some old crash test dummy accessories or this Batman 66 climbing window accessory just to put it in the AEW ring and smash Darby through to recreate it with the action figures. Oh, my God. No, like, they did a very good job with that match. And, of course, Darby was just the star. Like, you knew, like, he was going to take a brunt of the punishment. Anything big was going to happen was going to come from him. Like, the friggin' the dive or whatever off, like, the the window area going through whatever the hell that was in the middle at the he very end. That's what, he dropped the elbow on Cage, right. And they disappeared yeah, and they locked down to oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. And Sting got the win over Ricky Starks. I know, Jordan, you were saying live that you were, weren't sure if you were a fan of that one, but... Yeah, but I mean, it is it is what it is. Yeah. But I, like, I like Ricky Starks, you know that, but uh, I, I was happy with this. <laughs> Another <laughs> pompous, egocentric character. Another one. <laughs> well, going back to what you were going to say, when you have a Ricky Starks and an MJF, especially those two, when... Page pulls out his full cocky mode, it really runs the border between MGF and Ricky Stark. So, yeah, I mean, I was, there. 
my whole thing was just that I just didn't think that Sting needed to be the one to get the win. Like to me, I would have. Well, I mean, he's he's a legend. Let's give him the win. But I am yeah, happy I, though that of all the people they, I am happy of all the people they pinned though it was Ricky over Cage, because there's still money in Cage if they do it properly. Even though they almost shit the bed on that. I'm not, I'm not a big Cage fan. I'm so. I'm a I'm a big guy fan if they're used properly, fan. And AEW has a real bad habit of not using them properly. I.e. Cage, I.e. Miro, I.e. Lance Archer. Like it, the list goes on and on. I.e. Shaq. But that's a that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Sorry, hey, Shaq Kingable spot was awesome. By the way, he did. He saving over here on dark. All right, well, perfect. Appreciate that. Uh, live results as we're hearing this from Lord Alfred Hayes here. Uh, <laughs> the main main so event. All the information on Coliseum Video <laughs> right too. <laughs> Love it. That's perfect. Hold on, Adam. Before you get to the main event, you okay. might want to talk about their piece of news. Oh today. yes, of course. I almost completely forgot because it's not on my Wikipedia page in front of me. So, <laughs> the uh, of course the How can I forget this? the huge yeah. news. Um, Paul White came out in the pre- week prior and said that you know a Hall of Fame level talent is going to be joining the AEW roster, and they were building him up, building him up, and Tony Khan was even saying some stuff, and then. Ultimately, you see the countdown, and as soon as you hear the music right away, for any old school, like, Impact TNA fans, right away, you knew who it was going to be. And then and then out comes Instant Classic Christian Cage, which uh, got a very good pop from the audience, because I was very surprised as well. Um, uh, there was a fu- got a good pop from the live audience. How do you think it went over with people watching at home? I think a lot of people were probably disappointed, because they're like, it's not Brock Lesnar, it's not CM Punk. Well, not only that, but other, guys actually, other guys were actually like teasing the fans, too, like it might be me. Yeah, like... Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle video that he did on Twitter. But, like, what a fucking tool if you really thought, like, Brock Lesnar was going to come in or something. Hey, or man. Like, yeah. I really hey, man, he'll go where the money goes. I, ha- I Lesnar has no loyalty. Hey, there, there's only one reason I'd want Lesnar there, and it wouldn't happen for the reason I wanted. You want to see Jungle Boy yeah, versus Brock Lesnar, don't you? No, I don't. I was going to say, okay, I was going to say, because you know that matchup would go as well as Ricochet and Lesnar, and I know that's still a touchy subject yeah. in your heart, so. Do you, think oh. it did a, do you think it did a disservice that he didn't say a word? Or do you think that's exactly what needed to happen? I th- I like him not saying a word, actually. I, I'd rather them build, like, oh, we have a special sit-down interview with JR and to- or Tony Schiavone with him next week or some shit like that. You know what, he's like. Gonna, he's going to speak, yeah, on Dynamite. And again, you want your pay-per-view audience to carry over to your television. I yeah. Mean, they have to upset each other. And you bring in someone like Christian, who you know can talk and do stuff. So he doesn't need to talk because he talked through his facial expression. When you notice before he signed that thing, he looked at the cameras, he said all he had to say in his facials. Yeah. I was just very happy we didn't have a blue dot over his face. I, that... one, more, one, more, one more question about that. Do you feel that this will be a long-term investment from them, or do you think this is something more short-term? I think he's there a year. Okay. Like, I think he signed a year contract, and then we'll see what happens after that. I'm a, I'm a Christian fan. I like Christian. I've always liked Christian more than Edge going back to their, you know, five-second pose or whatever days. I, I've always liked Christian. Christian Cage, 2005, big Christian fan. Uh, he was at Perkins once with us after a SmackDown. <laughs> and he was cool. He drive. I like the car he drove that day. But that's. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a good get for them. What I one of the things and I will say this before we move on to the main event. Then, um, what I like about this pick for them is the fact that it's someone that can still work, is motivated because they got taken away. You know, and like kind of like the Sting, like he got you know his he was he told he had to retire when he didn't want to retire. But ultimately, compared to staying, like, Christian can still go. He looks like a star. He can talk like a star. He has credibility. has name factor. Like, whether or not it's not as big as a CM Punk or a Brock Lesnar, that can obviously be debated. But the fact is, former world champion. You got footage of him with Impact since they're doing the, the deal with there. So there is things that you can show the audience if they're not recognized. Like, oh, I think I remember Christian. And then you can show things that way. So I think this is a very good get for AEW. And I think that paired with the right person's not Cody, that um, this would be a very good way for him to be able to teach some of these younger guys and ultimately bring out some of the best in some of these guys that you want to be able to have a good feud with. Like, I'd be very... Green matches like Sammy or, or Jungle Boy uh, and talking about Persona, you look at Christian, Christian versus Kip Sabian. Yep, Christian versus Kip, Christian versus Sammy. I'd be interested in uh, Christian versus MJF at that point. Like there, there, oh, yeah. there are multiple options that you can have with this, and I really like them all. So that's okay with me. So good get for AEW. No, no was, qualms. I thought it was going to be Batista, by the way. Oh I thought God! That was a, uh, especially when he flubbed, when he flubbed his line and said evolution instead of revolution. When Paul White said evolution, that's what dropped the Batista hit in mm-hmm. my head. <laughs> and Batista's probably like, oh fuck, everyone's thinking of me. <laughs> Well, you weren't the only one. A lot of people actually did think it might have been him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we'll move on now to the main event, the moment you've all been waiting for, 53 minutes into this thing. Um, the exploding barbed wire death match for the AEW World's Championship between Kenny Omega defending his title, of course, with Don Callis on commentary against John Moxley. Uh, this match went 25 minutes, 15 seconds, according to Wikipedia, which, of course, we know is the ultimate source of everything tr- true and right in the world. Um... Yeah, so I'll start with this. Personally, I thought the match itself was fine. There was, like, it was a good brawl. There was no real issues. They did a good job with the, the some of the psychology that they used throughout the match when it came to the actual explosive. I think one thing I'll steal from Jordan before he says it so I can make me sound smart um, was when Omega hit the... One winged angel, and we're like, "Oh shit!" They've been protected the hell out of that move. He's he's not kicking out, and then you know, one, two, and then Moxley puts his foot on the rope, setting off the explosion, sets off the pin, and I'm like, "That's fucking that was, genius!" That I'm like, that "That's." And is that the one too where Omega sold his eye or something like it was like it caught him off guard? Yeah. I, yeah. That so, was really creative. So, like, they did some really cool spots. And, like, granted, of course, like, you know, when they went out to the board on the outside, which they only use one side, so I was a little errant about that, because I'm like, you have so much to play with, use it. Um, when they went well, into I the board... they were going to use the other side as part of the explosion at the end. Yeah, when they went into the board on the outside, and they kind of just went, that should have been a warning sign for the rest of the night for us, but it wasn't. Um... But ultimately, yeah. like, the actual brawl itself, no qualms. It was fun. It was fine. And then the one wing through the actual chair, which is just disgusting looking. Obviously a reason to actually beat him and a good finish. And I was surprised that it didn't go to the 30 minutes with the big explosion. But we know why, based on the finale. So before we get into the finale part, let's talk about the actual match, like I said. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. One huge 
one huge part for me, which I pop for, is because you got to nod, you know, a legend in that, Mick Foley, bar wire baseball bat, but do it with the explosive on the bat. I thought that was phenomenal. It hits the guy and the bat blows up with the time bomb. You saw that, you saw that one? Yeah, that was, that was really cool. Anyone else, sir, that's, for the that's match? Oh, that's it. That's your only note of the match. Okay. Why are battle with bombs? Like, that's it. That's all I need. No. no, like, it was brutal. It was physical. It was hard-hitting. It's like, it's what you would want to see out of a match like this. Mm-hmm. And I think they were probably happy with it as well. And then, of course, the finish happens. And then we get into, you also, know. Also, too, real quick. Also, working the gimmick of the actual match. Because, like, that bugs me sometimes where they come up with a gimmick for a match and they hardly ever use it. Yeah. Like, this, they played with it. They they did they did cool stuff with it. Like, yeah, like I, the Lita, they were still cautious, like, you know, about their ring positioning and positioning of the ropes, even when they were fighting on the outside. It's like, oh, you hit that, it's going to go off. And I think there's yeah, one like, time where Moxley was thrown into the turnbuckle and his arm was really, really close to, to this set of ropes. But he kind of like went like that, just enough that oh shit, it didn't go off that time that he hit it because he just kind of tucked his shoulder a bit, so it didn't yeah, hit that. So side. Like, little things like that can make things. Little things like that can make things mean that much more. And even with the gear, even with the gear too, like uh, Omega coming in with the the old school ninety five, you know, Japanese like FMW style shirt. With like not great. that was cool, and then wearing the white so it looks good with the with the blood, which is obviously an old technique for anyone in the old school territory days. And then you know both guys coming in in jeans, which I know Jordan, that's a huge thing for you when it comes to street fights, looking like you're in a street fight. So yeah, I hate when people for street fights or like matches like this that show up in wrestling gear. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Like it doesn't make sense to me. It's a big pet peeve of mine. So, like, when they do it, when they did it with this, like, it makes me happy. Yeah, it's like it's a blood feud. I hate this man so much. I'm gonna put on my nice tights and put the knee pad over. (laughs) (laughs) Branding people, Um, and of course, like I said, then we got into the actual beat down at the end with the Good Brothers and leaving Moxley laying with the handcuffs, and we see the countdown clock happen and. Everyone's like, oh, shit, this is it. Like, they're going to send Moxley out of here. Like, he's going to go away, and he's going to go be a dad, and he's going to be off TV for the next, like, several months, and, like, this is it. And then the fucking great storytelling, which is a rare thing for me to say about AEW, but good storytelling with Kingston running out and be like, you know what, fuck it, I hate this guy, but he's still my brother. I'm going to go out there and help him. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Pushing away, like, you know, the Butcher and the Blade. Gets in the ring. Countdown goes off. He's like, fuck it. Cover him. And then Gilberg happened. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> if that had gone off, like, some of the, the footage, you know, we've seen. Yeah. Of Fuerza, I think, shared a tweet of some footage from a real great exploding ring spot. And I was iffy the whole time because I know from watching the old FMW there, there's just some times where that ring's going to go off and it's more like a poof of smoke and a big, big letdown. It happens, even in Japan. I knew that. So watching this, it's like, oh, this is going to be hit and miss. Is this really going to pay off huge or is it going to spark out? And unfortunately, <laughs> and unfortunately it sparked out. Uh, of course, you know, Eddie Kingston was sold like he was just shot in the back and was, you know, dead he to rights. He was selling it like he jumped on a grenade. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, like it makes sense for it makes sense for the psychology wise, 
but for obviously the execution. And I'm sure the two of them were probably talking to each other the whole time, like, fuck, man, this sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. I read somewhere that Omega was even pissed off after the show. So, like, what do you think happened? Because, like, to me, one of two things clearly happened. Either one, whatever they had planned just didn't end up working properly, and that's what we ended up with. Or two, they knew that it was going to look like that all along, and they just didn't care. Uh, No, I I think they cared. I think it was a a huge pyrotechnic misfire. That's what I think, think too. but, But then again... Why would they still have the commentary team go on like something horrible had just happened in the ring? Well, because you're not going to... What are they going to say? Well, that fucking stunt. No, they got to sell the moment. No, they should have called something on the fly if that was the case. They should have had Omega come back out afterwards and be like, Ha ha, motherfuckers, you really thought that I was going to purposely put myself in a position where I might explode? No, Fuck that. That's stupid. You guys are stupid, and you guys all bought me in the main event because of this. You know what I mean? Like, I know Moxley, Moxley did his mic spot after, but the problem is you got Kingston selling this moment so well yeah. that it, it doesn't create, like, a, oh, shit, they're really... Like, Kingston should have got up and been... Kingston should have got up and be like, what? What happened? And then Moxley yeah, could have, like, sold his way back to reality like he did. And then Omega's, like, in the back, like, ah motherfucker, you all fell for it. I'm not exploding nothing. <laughs> and that would have... I, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, that would have... I had an idea, which I commented to somebody's post on Facebook, and I know this would have pissed off some people. Maybe. And I don't know if I told you, Adam, is just at the 30-second countdown, if you want to do it like you're going to lead in, watch the television to find out what happens... Right at the end of the 30 seconds, go to black, you hear the sound of the explosions only, end the show. So you go soprano style with the ending there, okay. So you're, yeah. So you make the yeah, people paying $50 on pay-per-view, you make the people with $50 on pay-per-view pay to go watch their free programming the next week. That sounds like Halloween Havoc. That sounds like a Russo idea. No wonder fucking, Jesus, I got some heat. Jesus. <laughs> Shared with you guys. Oh my and, god! Mean, afterwards, they've afterwards they've tried to save face by kind of doing what you suggested, Adam, by saying like Kenny Omega built the ring, like he designed everything. So like that's on yeah, him. Built, yeah. we're shit. Well, we should we should have knew that we should have knew then if that was the case, it was going to be a bad explosion based on those hammer shots he was doing when he was building the fucking <laughs> building this match. <laughs> Um, but uh, again, what, what could be more said about this thing? It was a huge letdown. Obviously, you know, what happened happened. So it's really, that that become one of, that'll become one of the most funny moments, maybe even of the year, but like maybe if this, I don't know, that's going to be, it's going to go down in infamy as like an infamous moment in wrestling history. I completely agree with you. Pay-per-view, unfortunately, soured by a misfire. A huge, yeah. a huge misfire. So yeah, and it's not like you could release a DVD of it, which I'm looking forward to. But it's not like you're going to edit it or change it. It's got you got to keep it. Yeah. One right? final, one final thing I will say to that before we kind of give our final thoughts about this pay per view. Then too is you were mentioning before about FMW, like oh they've had misfires and other people that have done this or whatever. Like there's been duds. I'm sorry. This is 2021. 
first of all, not 1998, 95, even the early 2000s. And we had a billionaire's budget building this freaking thing. Like, I don't care if they had to prep it the night before and blow $50,000 to make sure it goes right the first time. But, like, leaving something like this up to chance when it's your heated feud that's been going between these two for almost two years or a year and a half now at this point. And, like... I agree. And if you don't have people on staff that's properly equipped for this, you could hire special effects artists from movies. They have people who work in that, you know, department of explosions and effects. I mean, I would have almost took the lights flickering from the Six Sides of Steel matchup all over again with the the electrified cage. <laughs> but, uh, gentlemen, your final thoughts on this whole pay-per-view, what would you give this, uh, maybe we'll say this out of, uh, out of ten, what would you give this thing? Uh, Jordan, we'll start with you. I'd say, I'd say a solid seven. That's what I'd say. I'd go solid seven. I mean, it might have been a little higher, but that, that, that botched explosion did kind of really sour me. Yeah. What yeah, about- I, I got no qualms. I mean, say, yeah, but like realistically, seven, seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm clearly harder to please. Jordan knows this. Um, I, I'm gonna probably give this thing a. I'm gonna give this thing a six, personally for myself. Um, well, I mean, this six to seven range is like an okay rating. It's not like saying it's fantastic or it was awesome. No, but like, okay, yes, the Young Buck match was good, but again, it's the same qualm I have every single time. It's a Young Buck match where every single move in wrestling was ever done. Right, and I get and I get that, and like, I'm I'm on your side with that. But like the match of the night, then would probably be the street fight. And even then it's not really a wrestling match because it was a cinematic match. And which is sad because you had all these great talents in a ladder match and, you know, a big stakes with the money and you had a battle Royal with like all these good talents and teams. You had the young bucks and Jericho and MJF and you had what should have been one of the biggest blows to a feud in their company's history. And I'm still going with the 61 year old sting and his and his and his friend from the Grateful Dead concert <laughs> beating you know Brian beating Brian Cage and Ricky Starks so like I it, it's uh, I have to give it a six overall though so that's you so you, you just would have preferred one of the in ring matches they should have no they should have an in ring match should have been the match of the night even regardless if it was the exploding match or a great wrestling match like the tag team world titles or even the women's or whatever, like, like this ladder match is going to be completely forgotten. I don't even remember a single spot that happened there, except for the glowing ring, Ethan Page debuting. And yes, and the short arm clothesline, the most, on a ladder match with all these people. And the thing I'm going to remember most is a short arm clothesline from Jake, the snake Roberts. I mean, I mean, that's fair. I mean, it was, it was a tame ladder match compared to some of the other ones that they put on. Which is funny, considering we just said that they go all out when it comes to their paper. Was it, was, was, it, was it wrong of me to be watching that and watching it go and everyone's bumping off ladders and Julian wasn't? I just I was shouting at the TV, bump you, bitch. <laughs> Which eventually you did. I mean, you can tell him that yourself next time you see him. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so, of course, that that concludes our review of AEW uh, Revolution 2021. Um, Of course, we're going to be taking a small break before Jordan and I uh, talk about Justice League. 
for probably another 30 minutes or so. So keep, uh, I know. Oh yeah. Thanks for inviting me to that. Look, well, I, I'm wearing a flash well, right I apologize. It was kind of like a, a last minute thing that we were going to do. And it was just one of those things. I will, we'll, we'll keep you in mind, especially since in a couple of weeks now, we're going to probably be doing the snack Snyder, uh, director's Snyder edition. Cut. The Snyder Cut of the Justice League, which you know a lot of people are. Thing with your rating, with your rating, how do you compare this revolution to last year's revolution? I wanted to ask that. That's a great question. What the hell was on the card? All right. Well, last year I got Darby and Sammy. Okay, I'm. I'm Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So match that we talked about the Omega and Bucks Hangman Mm. match. Yeah, Darby. Uh, You had. Hager and Dustin Rhodes, which wasn't anything spectacular. Pack and Orange, MJF uh, and Cody, Moxley. Jericho and Moxley. And Nyla and Chris Stout. Yeah, the first one was much better than this one. Like, really? it, it's not even a competition. The The Pack and Orange Cassidy was fun, even though it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was fun. MJF and Cody was the best match. MJF and Cody was the best match out of both shows. Which one, which, uh... MJF and Cody from the first uh, resolution or revolution was the best match of MJF that card. And Cody was last year's revolution? Yeah. Oh shit, you're right. I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking at the card right here. And then of course you had yeah. your, you had your Omega and Page against the Bucks match. So yeah, those two matches and then Jericho and Moxley, which they always produce and well, that was fine too. So like those three matches alone, in my opinion, were better than everything on this pay-per-view that we just saw from previous Sunday. So. And Sammy and Darby. And Sammy, yes. And don't forget Sammy and Darby. <laughs> Got to get Sammy in there yeah. doing his uh, nice 630 to table splash on the outside. Jesus. Oh, I forgot about that spot. But anyways, uh, we're going to we're gonna go to a quick commercial break before we do. Uh, Jeff, this is where you like to sign off and give your plugs for anything you want to push right now. That's true. We went an hour. See that you have me? It's like a, a Bucks match. You know, we're going long. We're going strong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, visit uh, sunsetcrypt.com. Uh, follow on Twitter and Instagram at kdavjeff, K-D-A-V Jeff. And uh, yeah, that's about it for me. I don't really know what's uh, what's coming up. I don't know what I'm doing, to be wow. honest with you. Wonderful. I appreciate it. Everything's on the fly. We'll do it. on Twitter now. That's how, how <laughs> i got nothing. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, we thank you very much for joining us. And like I said, guys, stick around. Uh, Just doing a short little commercial break, and then we're going to be going into our Justice League 2017 review ahead of the Snyder Cut uh, 2021 movie of the Justice League coming out in just a few weeks. So stay tuned, and we'll be back. Adam, Adam, don't kill me, but if somebody wants to uh, follow somebody on Twitter, I think it's just at BoyMythLegend. They should follow him on Twitter. I, I, I did not know... Uh, that you were such a huge fan of uh, Rodney Mack. I just, I didn't know, so. <laughs> what the hell's that? Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Alright, we're going to take a pause. We'll be back in a minute. Hi there guys, my name is Justin Gilmet, but I'm also known as Gilmy where most places I go. I do a podcast called Gilmy Talks. It's all about talking to interesting people and having a good time while doing it. I have been interviewing people all the way back in 2016. Yes, I know, I'm old. But 
in that time, I have talked to some great people. And why don't join me on the on the ride? And I just want to say thank you very much to Adam Hayes for letting me on his uh, show. Thanks, guys, and hopefully I talk to you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And again, big thanks to, um, well, I, I'm hearing some buzzing in the background right now as uh, Jordan's answering a message, which is real professional. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't do it. He took... <laughs> Uh, big shout out again, once again, to uh, Jeff T. Smith over at SunsetCrypt.com for joining us for the first uh, review that we did. A little bit longer than I had expected to, but hey, always great content with Jeff when he joins us for uh, the AEW chats and whatnot, uh, talking about Revolution. And of course, if you want to hear more of that stuff that he's done in the past, just go back in the archives. We did a really fun episode that we did with uh, uh, George McKay over at Straight Talk Wrestling, where they guys had to rebook... Uh, well, not rebook. They had to decide whether they were going to re-sign or release AEW roster talent. So they had a fun little uh, back and forth, shall we say, regarding the Young Bucks and Sammy and everyone else. So go back and listen to that in the archives. Of course, you know, find everything over on uh, Facebook.com slash Wars and, of course, Anchor.fm slash Wars podcast. So hopefully that ate up enough time for um, my friend Jordan now to be done talking or texting whatever he's doing i didn't do it he, somebody <laughs> messaged me i can't control that um but of course now we're here for the double part of our main event and we're going to be talking about the justice league the 2017 release of course by josh whedon and uh zach snyder um ahead of the zach snyder directors i guess edit cut whatever um that's going to be taking place uh in a couple of weeks that's we're obviously going to be reviewing as well so that's going to be a lot of fun um jordan i'll throw the question to you first when it comes to this do you think that the hype of this movie for the justice league maybe was kind of like one of those movies where the hype was so big that like the expectations of the movie was a little bit greater than what we eventually got or do you think that you know it it's pretty much exactly what it was um no because i think that a couple a couple i don't want to say lackluster because like there's redeeming things about them i didn't really i wasn't really a 100 fan of the two movies that came out before that which being batman versus superman and the suicide squad i think that kind of like tepid reception to those kind of like dampened people's expectations on this one not to say it dampened everybody's expectations but i think like it definitely didn't do it as it didn't help yeah no that that's completely fair the hype was there i just think like people had kind of gotten knocked down a peg on their level of hype because it's like oh well shit this this come this brand that i love has had two kind of tepidly received movies what's going to happen with this next one. Yeah. And then not to mention, I mean, I figure, I think we should probably set the stage about like the beginnings of what went wrong with this first. Um, Zack Snyder had been making the movie and then partway through, unfortunately and awfully his, his daughter committed suicide and he made the choice to go be with his family and basically just leave the movie while it was almost finished. I don't know if it was almost finished, but it was it was close to being finished. 
and then WB decided to hand over the reins to another director, and they get ended up giving it to Joss Whedon. And now, uh, of all the information that we're learning now, that may have been a horror. I mean, clearly that was not a good decision with how, for the most part, that it ended up with people's reactions to it. But now hearing more of like the behind-the-scenes drama that went on, Seems like that may have been an even worse decision for them to pick him. Yeah, you could definitely tell like his directing style and his writing was just peppered through with this movie. And one of the things that I I've noticed just from I like they, I think they recording to Zack Snyder. I think he, they they basically reshot like almost one hundred percent of his movie. Yeah, like it, for myself, like the Justice League growing up as a kid too. Like DC, I always preferred over Marvel. I was that kid as well. So like. I was always looking forward to a Batman versus Superman, or I was looking forward to a Justice League um, style movie. But like the thing's been said over and over when it comes to this movie of like comparing it to Marvel is going to happen, even though it shouldn't, but it's going to. The fact that Marvel had six or seven movies prior to set up the Avengers and everything else in between, and then you know DC just felt like they wanted to capitalize on the money that Marvel was making, and then through every character through the justice league together within like two movies. So like, right. And it was a different approach. I mean, do I ultimately think that was the right approach? No. If it were me, I would have built up to that, but it was a different approach and they took it and they tried something different. And to some, it worked out to a lot of people. It didn't, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you could also very, you could see the course correcting too that was done by WB with the fact that, well, we have to make this more lighter. We have to make this more palatable for people because Marvel had been doing it so well with that style that they figured, okay, well, we've had two entries in this. I say two, but their Wonder Woman was received very well. No, their solo films are doing like fantastic. Had, it's like anytime that you have more than one character, they seem to have an issue. Right, they had two out of three before they got to Justice League that were not received very well, and that was one of the criticisms, was it was too unnecessarily dark. Right. It was too unnecessarily brooding. It wasn't fun. So that you could tell that they tried to course correct with that. And did they overdo it? I guess we're gonna I guess we're gonna get into that. I, I agree. So obviously we're not gonna break down like scene by scene or anything like that. A lot of people have seen the movie at this point. Um, us pretty much going back and looking at this is pretty much just like a comparison piece, more or less just to kind of see whether or not, is it still as bad as people really think it is? Like, that's pretty much the main question out of all this. Before we get into like our things that we like, things that we didn't after like our second viewing of this or, you know, whichever, how many times you've gone back and rewatched it now. Um, like, does it honestly deserve the hate that it gets leading up to what possibly be one of the most anticipated, you know, re-releases of a movie probably in the last, what, two, three decades? Yeah, I, I, I think that's accurate to say. People passionately, people passionately campaign to get this version released for years. Like, literally since the day this, this, this version came out. They, they put up billboards at Comic-Con to release the Snyder Cut. They had planes flying over that had banners that said release the Snyder Cut. Like, these people never gave up on this. But do you think that even with the movie like the Snyder Cut coming up, where 
yes, we know it might be a better movie. Like, we don't want to say yes or no at this point because, you know, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. But, like, <laughs> I like, are we almost giving in the sense, like, too big of a hype? Like, are we almost kind of doing the same thing that we were for movies like Batman versus Superman or, you know, the Justice League or Suicide Squad or all these different, you know, Marvel-style movie or, sorry, Marvel, see, I'm, now I'm doing it, DC-style movies where you're putting such an emphasis because it's superheroes and because it's these characters, they have such a hype to then live up to because of the comparison point of Marvel. Well, I'll say, well, I mean, I'll say this. I'm going, to, I'm obviously going to watch the new version. Well, duh, because you're on the review. Right. I'm obviously <laughs> going to watch the review. However, I won't say, I'm not going to be one of the people that says it's awesome just because it isn't the old version. Right. Because I, I, I feel like... That's going to be, that's going to be a big thing. I feel like that will be a big thing, that a lot of people will just watch it with rose-colored glasses and just have an, a, a very positive opinion because it's not the old version. Which is funny because it's the opposite of what happens with Star Wars, with people watching the new stuff where it's, you know, they have rose-colored glasses for the original. It's like, well, it's not the original. It should be more like the old version. Yeah. It should be more like the old ones. They can't just watch it for what it is. So, like, I hope people do that with this with this new version, that they watch it for what it is and they don't just put the blinders on and be like, well, it's not the other version, so it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't do that. No, I agree. So let's, again, with this movie, like with the 2017 version, obviously the one that we're talking about today, what were some of the things that you think worked that you would hope that they keep and like scenes or maybe even just character development or whatever? Like what are the things that stood out for you in this movie that you actually liked that, you know, resonate with you as a fan of DC? And what are the things that, you know, you think that will hopefully move over and they should give more emphasis on in the new movie? I mean, one of the things that I definitely think wasn't an issue with the first one was its willingness to dive into the deeper lore of the DC universe. Like in one movie, you had like you had in the in, especially with the new one that's coming. I mean, like in one movie, you had Steppenwolf, who maybe isn't a 100% well-known comic book villain, but he is one. He's an obscure one that they were willing to throw in there. I mean, you had that awesome, you had that flashback scene that uh, had the Atlanteans and the the, uh, the Amazons teaming up with, like, Green Lanterns to, like, fight his invading army. You had Mother Boxes. You had, obviously, all the members of the Justice League. You had Parademons in Gotham City. Like, that... Willingness to embrace like that wider fantastical DC universe, I think, was one of the things they did well. And it looks like they're going to do it even more with this new one because I mean, like now you got Dark Side, now you have Granny Goodness for fuck's sake, <laughs> you you got Desaad, like you've that. I hope they keep, and I think they're going to do more. Do you think though that kind of just going against that though, like someone like a Steppenwolf who was in this movie as the main villain? When you already had, you know, Man of Steel, oh, it's, they got Zod right away as, like, the main villain. You got uh, the Batman versus Superman. You got Luthor, and then they threw Doomsday in the last, like, five minutes of the movie. Like, they have, like, these huge, recognizable A-list character names, 
But do you think that's also one of the things that hurt the Justice League in the f- sense of like, besides the fact that as we established, there was no, there was a rush and all that stuff for getting this movie out. Do you think that they should have just, you know, really just kind of, in a sense, disgustingly blew their load and went right to dark side in this one? I don't think you should have just, I mean, it's very clear from the first one that dark side was supposed to be in the movie. Not as, not as like the threat. Yeah. Not as like a main carry through throughout the entire thing, but it's very clear. He was supposed to have a presence and they took him out. Like the Thanos thing with your first Avengers. Right. Like it's very clear that they made the decision to pull dark side out of the movie because without him, Steppenwolf's plan really doesn't make much sense. Right. It's like he wants to unite the mother boxes because he wants the unity. He wants to take over the world. But, like, why? Like, for what? For what purpose? Which clearly, had Darkseid been in the movie, which is what I'm guessing is what it's going to be, is that it's to make way for the actual ruler of Apocalypse to move into Earth and take over. Claim another territory as his own, yeah. Like, to me, it was always, he was sent, to me, always in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, he was sent there by Darkseid to basically start the invasion of Earth. But when you take him out, it can feel, it feels out of place. It feels like, why is he here? He wants to take over the Earth, but why? For what purpose? And also, when he comes down from the boom tubes, the, for, for people who aren't familiar with DC Comics, boom tubes are like the teleporter, like wormholes that open up that he can travel through and he appears from. Those come straight from the dark side's planet. But like when he comes down from those, where is he coming from? Does he just appear out of nowhere? So like it's very clear he was supposed to be there and I think it, they did themselves a disservice taking him out. Right. Um, so no, so so in a way, yes, I think that did hurt that original movie that he wasn't there, at least in some capacity. I think that, um, I think because of that name recognition when it came to the actual villain was a part of the reason that maybe even too like, this is going to be a wrestling reference in a, within a movie review, and I apologize, but like, WrestleMania before was sold in the idea of a guy versus a person, like a guy versus a guy, a feud. And now it's sold on the fact that it's WrestleMania. And, like, it's the spectacle of that. With this movie, it's kind of like they're selling the idea of the fact of, like, it's not the battle that you're waiting to see. It's not like Batman versus Superman, where that was, what was the selling point? That was the draw. You're selling on the fact that it's the Justice League. It's just all in there. It doesn't matter who they're against. It doesn't matter what the story is. You're just paying to see all the heroes at once on the screen at the same time. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. So, I mean... That's actually, that's actually, I think, something that was another disservice that they did themselves, but, but continue. Yeah, so I feel like that was a major factor when it comes to the draw of this movie. They were banking on the idea of, like, we're selling the name Justice League, and that's what's going to work. That's what's going to be the draw. And right. if they announced right away, like, hey, he's going to be taking on Darkseid, or hey, they're going to be including the Joker in this, or you know what I mean? Like, which obviously now they're going to with the Snyder edition coming up. So, I I mean, I, those things would have helped so much when it comes to the boom in the sales, not but also to, like, the actual, like, 
non hardcore comic fans. Like I'll even say like myself who is not like, I enjoy them, but I'm not like a Uber diehard. Like maybe some of you guys are. And that would have helped me have a little bit more oomph and pump, you know, to be able to go see a movie like this in theater. So. Right. Oh, that's fair. I mean, it's something that you asked me before, like something I liked that I, from this version that I hope they keep. One thing that I didn't like was their strange need to try to hide the fact that Superman was in the movie. His mustache or the movie or just him in general? Well, his mustache was, the mustache thing was ridiculous. <laughs> still because looks stupid. Still looks those, dumb. Because, <laughs> because they had to do all those reshoots. Oh God, the first scene in the movie when he's talking to the kids on the news broadcast looks terrible. Looks awful. Yeah. But like they hit him from all the trailers. They hit him. He wasn't on any of the posters. For some reason, it's almost like they treated their audience as morons, but by thinking that yeah, he's not in the movie. But like, no, we know he's in the movie. Why are you hiding him? Because in honesty, in all honesty, Superman got some of the best action scenes in the movie. Oh, I agree. And if we're gonna be talking about things that we like the most for the movie. In my opinion, one of the best parts of the entire movie is Superman coming back from the dead and fighting the Justice League. He fights the League in front of the memorial. Yeah, like that yeah. that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire movie was just that part alone. And like seeing like him like go back and forth with all these people. It wasn't him talking with uh, Lois Lane in the cornfield that doesn't exist. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think though I think that stuff is actually gonna probably carry over to the the re-release because you could tell there was no mustache edited out in those scenes. No. But no, yeah, that was one of that was one of my favorite scenes of the movie. And even when he got to throw around Darkseid, or I was called Darkseid, when he got to throw <laughs> around Steppenwolf at the end, like Superman got some of the best scene. He almost got also got some of the best one-liners in the movie, which is what to me Superman should be. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like the chemistry alone between. Like I was not a big fan of the person who played the Flash in this. And, like I think they were like, "Oh, we need a we need a we need a Spider-Man style like Peter Parker kind of young kid that's like witty and like he's got to get the comedy roles to show that we're not as dark." And like they just gave all I mean, they gave him all the I, lines with that, you know. I mean, that's what the Flash is, but like my problem with the Flash when they when from the original version is they made him more they kept making him screw up. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw that, but, like, there were multiple times where, like, he would save somebody or do something heroic, and then he would, like, trip and fall. Like, they kept, they kept, it was like they kept doing unnecessarily, like, pratfall comedy with him. No, I get it. And then, like, the cyborg story being rushed as well with, like, oh, you didn't even see him turn into the cyborg. It was like, oh, I'm just going to explain it in the hotel wearing a hoodie. Yeah, but also, too, continuity continuity-wise, like, that was another problem that I think they did themselves a disservice with, is because they tried to do so much course correction, they ignored continuity. Like, there's a scene in Batman vs. Superman when Bruce is watching the the video clips that show, like, each of the members of the League exist. Yep. And one was Cyborg, and when the Cyborg clip, there's only about the top part of his chest that's left, and his head, and, like, maybe part of an arm. But in this, it was like his legs that he lost in the accident and one arm. That was it. The majority of his body was still intact. 
Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. So, uh, like, they completely ignored that. Like, they, they basically just tossed out their own continuity and were like, well, whatever. Nobody cares. It was only a small clip. No one noticed. It's only a multi-million, yeah, it's only a no, multi-million dollar fans movie. Fans are going to dissect this stuff. Yeah, especially, especially in an audience like a comic book fan where they literally dissect it like we are right now. Um, right. I mean, the stuff with, the stuff with Gotham, like, like the Gordon scene... Like the Jim Gordon scene was fine. Like I actually thought J.K. Simmons was a was a decent Jim Gordon. It's a shame he didn't get to do anything else with it. Yeah, I didn't mind him. I had to think back for a second there. I'm like, yeah, I didn't mind him. Um, I my one of my favorite things besides the the fight with Superman is the actual chemistry between Affleck and Gal Gadot when it was just them out of costume, like them just like talking about what they're going to do and strategizing and just like figuring things out. Like they actually had legitimately good chemistry between the two of them. No, they did one. They definitely did one on the topic of Batman. I don't know if Batman, like Batman and humor works when it's very limited and like done very specifically. Oh, you mean like the jokes and one, like the one-liner zingers that they were throwing him through the movie? Yeah, there's some Batman one-liners that just really fell flat. <laughs> like the bleeding internally line or whatever the hell that one yeah, was? Yeah, like when Superman's like, oh, do you bleed? And then he, I think he like lifted himself up and he was like, oh, definitely bleeding somewhere. Like that's not, that wasn't funny. Like it just fell flat for me. The one line that they gave him that was, that was supposed to be funny, that was actually funny, was when Barry asked him, what are your superpowers again? He's just like, I'm rich. Yeah. Just deadpan looked at him like, I'm rich. That's my, I pay for all, I pay for all my shit. That's my superpower. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, like I said, it was a, it was a fine, I call it like a popcorn style movie where you can just turn off your brain and it's whatever. But again, it's the fact that like, we know what they were trying to do. We know what they were trying to accomplish with, this movie, like, you know, this is going to be the start of, you know, our, our C, our, uh, our DC universe in the sense of like trying to make everything, you know, be marketable, especially with all the money that Marvel's, you know, racking in right now. It's just, but obviously it just wind up missing the mark. And like, I feel like there's too many factors besides, you know, the mixing of the directors, the writing, the, some of the, the actual effects, you know, mustache and all, when it comes to the actual movie. No, there is some, there's definitely some dodgy CGI in the movie, too. Yeah, it, it just felt like... There's, like a scene, there's a scene near the end where, like, Superman shows up to fight Steppenwolf, and there's literally a quick shot where there's, they spread apart, and it literally looks like a fight, like a fighting game, where you're, like, you're waiting for the, the, the screen to say, fight, and oh. then you start playing. <laughs> You're talking about a fight, uh, a video game scene. How about the scene where they're in the elevator going down, I think, into the back cave or whatever? It was the overhead shot of them walking away. It looked like an old Grand Theft Auto or like Resident Evil style game with the overhead. Yeah, that looked pretty bad. That was that was pretty bad. Well, I mean, it's it's again, it's studio interference because they're trying to they were trying to course correct for something that really they should have just they should have just left alone to begin with. It's changing a director halfway through. It's that second director coming in having a completely different vision than the first, which then it, which then causes story clashes. 
I mean, it's also, too, that I guess some of the actors may have even just been unhappy to be there with a lot of the stuff that's come out now afterwards about the the nightmare that was making this movie. So, uh, so then, second last question before we kind of, you know, wrap this thing up or whatever. Um, going back and watching this movie, and I, I posed the question at the beginning, and, you know, we sort of kind of touched on it, but not really. Does this movie you know, age well, and does it, like, make you excited to be able to want to watch the Zack Snyder film even more, knowing what you saw in the previous film? I I don't think it ages well. Because, like, something... Forget about the movies that came before, but, like, if you had the... A, a movie that's the first forming of the Justice League, which I'm a, I'm a diehard Marvel fan. Like I will always choose Marvel over DC. Well, you're but, an, you're an idiot. So, wow. But <laughs> when you have the joining of six of the most recognizable comic book characters in history, that should be like an event in of itself, and it didn't feel that way. And it, it's, it just feels like another movie now when you watch it. Yeah, just especially like... After, especially after we've seen what, like, epic team-up movies, like, can do. I mean, the, my God, the last two Avengers movies. Those two movies would eat this one alive. Oh, no, this movie would be the coaster for your drink while you watch that movie. Yeah, they'd eat this one alive, and you think it should be, and you think it should be at least on par with it. Like it's it's Batman it's Batman with fucking Superman and Aquaman and the budget was never been done before. and the budget was even higher than the original Avengers too like well that may not have been their actual intention that may have just been because of all of the reshoots well that's fair too um but of course then you know with me saying you know if it like but does it make me want to watch the new one yes because for one thing out of curiosity to see just how different this actually is compared to what we actually got. Mm-hmm. I mean, also too, out of, also too, out of a sense to see somebody actually get to finish something that, you know, their heart was in it and that they wanted to finish, but just because of circumstances, they didn't get the chance to. So do you think so that, like also... sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm No, I was going to say, so do you think that this movie still deserves the hate that it does? I don't think it deserves hate, but it definitely isn't good. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what would, what would be the, the, the star rating here from the, 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 the Jordan Lloyd star rating on this one? Like, well, you know, let me put it this way. Like I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't say this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. That's that to me is being a, is, is overkill. No, it's not the last unicorn. No, no, it's not even the worst comic book movie I've ever seen in my life, but that's true. That's Catwoman, but well, yes, but there's a couple other ones too. Um, out of five, I'd probably say two and a half. You're being nice. I'm being a little nice. <laughs> I was gonna. Nice, <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm gonna go with a, I'm gonna go with a two, 
when I saw the movie, I probably would have gave this like a 2.75 or a two and a half, but like watching it now, looking it back, it's just nothing either makes sense. It feels rushed. Everything just feels. It came and it went. Yeah. It just looks like, it just looks like they produced, it just looks like they made a movie and that was it. They didn't intend it to be anything else but that. Yeah. It wasn't trying to change the face of video or video game. It wasn't trying to change the face of superhero movies. It wasn't trying to rival the Avengers. It wasn't trying. It wasn't trying to be an event. It was just a movie that happened. It came out. Let's move on. Yeah, that's basically what it ended up being. Which hopefully, of course, is not the case with the the Zack Snyder cut, which is going to be taking place on what date is that again? Uh, hold on. Let me double check. I know it's in a couple weeks. It is... I know this is probably very riveting for people to listen to. I believe it's March the 18th for people. It is on... Yes, March 18th. Yes, which of course is going to be the airing of our next week's episode, um, which of course we're not going to be, you know, putting up an episode that doesn't make sense for, you know, reviewing something that's coming out later that night that doesn't make any sense. So, um, obviously for, for next week we're going to be doing something completely different. And then the week following that is when we're going to go backwards. So March 18th episode, so next week's episode, we're going to be doing the uh, another Tournament of Editions show where we're going to be taking the greatest matches in the history of WrestleMania, putting them against each other and seeing who wins. And then on March 25th, a week afterwards, so that way it gives everybody enough time to watch it, digest it, digest it, digest it and go back and look at it. And then from there, we can be able to review it properly so that way everyone has a chance to. So that's pretty I much mean, what's... This is gonna be a this is gonna be a chunk to get through. It's a four hour movie. Exactly. So after you're done, obviously listening to next week's episode, which is the tournament edition for the WrestleMania for the greatest match of all time, and then you know after you've listened to that, you've got you know a taste of Schwa Wars in your uh, in your ears. Then later that night, watch Snack Snyder's Justice League review, and then of course the week following on the 25th, we're gonna come back with a, a, a panel of people. Um, to discuss this new movie, so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, Jordan, thank you very much for joining me uh, for both reviews for this one. It was, it's a long episode. We apologize for its length, but um, it, it's also been a lot of fun as well. So um, any closing thoughts you want to say for this movie before we uh, wrap this whole uh, the show whole show up? I mean, it's unfortunate that it went down the way it went down. Like, it, should, it shouldn't have been... It shouldn't have been, you, sh- you shouldn't feel like, or you shouldn't have felt like you wasted your time when you go see the movie the, about the Justice League. But I mean, in the end, kudos to the people that stuck to their guns and kept their passion alive that wanted to see what was originally intended. And in the, in the end, they ended up listening to you. So like, it goes to show you that if you, if you keep at it, your voice can be heard. Exactly. And of course, our voices are being heard now. And um, but unfortunately, you know, our time has come and gone. And so is this review. So, of course, you know, Jordan gave this movie 2.5 out of 5. I gave it a 2. Um, we would love to know what you guys think. Of course, go to Facebook.com slash Tell us what you thought about the Justice League movie, what you're looking forward to with uh, the Snyder Cut edition, which is coming out, like I said, on the 18th. Um, not sure where the heck it's playing. I'll have to figure that one out. Um but uh, like I said, that's gonna be I playing. Might a, I might have a. I might have a way around that. Well, there you go. I, I don't want to know about your sneaky ways, but there you go. 
Um, <laughs> um, of course, like I said, go back in the archives, find everything that we've already done over at Schwa Wars. Um, a lot of great content has been coming out the last um, several weeks from us. And of course, go back even farther if you'd like to uh, for our old name, which was Schwa Style Podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes when it comes to one-on-ones and different game shows and just everything that we've done, like so much content that we've been able to produce over the last like two years, regardless of the name changes or whatnot. Um, and like I said, next week we have the WrestleMania best match of all time tournament edition, which is going to be very heated, I think. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're a wrestling fan and you really are getting in the mood for the WrestleMania season, that's going to be a great episode for you. And then followed by, like I said, already on the 25th is our huge review of the Snyder cut edition of the justice league. So Jordan, where can we be able to find you on social media? basically only on facebook and other than that you can find my voice on this podcast well there you go and his address is uh uh 10 no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) until then ladies and gentlemen my name is adam hayes thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next one